And welcome live. Have you with us today? Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, eighty-eight point one FM, KHMG. Glad to have you with us today. It is three o five PM on this Friday, July twenty-eighth. Maybe you're listening in your car on the old-fashioned radio dial, 88.1 FM, way down on the left-hand side of the dial. Glad you're with us. We broadcast stereo, beautiful, Bible-based programming and Christian music, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for over 21 years. Maybe you're listening online through khmg.org or hbcguam.net. Glad you're with us. You know, you can go to khmg.org and download the podcast of this broadcast, as well as listen to our live stream, listen to podcasts of other locally produced programs. We'd love to have you go there. And then let us know you're listening. Go to our Facebook page. Harvest Family Radio Guam is on Facebook, and we love to hear from you. We love to see that we have new views, new people going to our social media and interacting with us. We try to upload links to new songs and videos and articles and podcasts all there on our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Like us, follow us, leave us a message. We appreciate it. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. This is episode 225. 225 on this Friday, July 28th. If you're listening live, it's 3.06 p.m. But you might be listening on Saturday or Sunday because we rebroadcast the show in its entirety from noon to 2 on Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. So catch us on the rebound, noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. We do that because we know many people can't just sit and listen for two straight hours. They like to catch little bits of the show here and there, and so we want to accommodate you. So those listening on Saturday and Sunday, we do talk as if it's Friday afternoon because that's when we're recording the show, but... You kind of get the idea. That's why I mentioned it multiple times throughout the show. Wow, 225 episodes. Been doing this for years. It's a lot of fun. Every week, 3 to 5 p.m. here at KHMG. High atop the campus of Harvest Ministries, broadcasting from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, and with you every Friday afternoon for this live, local, talk and variety program. It's intended to entertain you a little bit. It's a lighthearted approach, a lighthearted look at what's going on, but it's also supposed to edify you, build you up in your Christian walk. We try and talk about some things that are very important. We also interview people in the community, things that are happening here at Harvest Ministries. As the school year starts up, we'll have a lot more information about things that are going on here around the Harvest Ministries campus. And we have some regulars that make appearances weekly, like Lawrence Nangas with This Day in History. Chris Harper, the all-around good guy and station manager with the news, 
Sebastian Basildua is in Yap this week, so he's not going to be on the air with us, but he's here in spirit with us. And uh, Josh Taylor, Josh and Round, he's in the Marshall Islands right now, but he'll be back next week for probably his last installment of Josh and Around, and then we'll go into our regular fall segments, and he'll probably become an irregular guest. I guess Josh is kind of an irregular person anyway, so there you go. Hey, it is the 28th of July, and the month of July, there have been a lot of neat observances. We had the 4th of July last Friday. Of course, we had Liberation Day, the 21st of July, and we didn't have a program. We just kind of sent you a little greeting and had music and regular programming at that time. But this month, since last Friday, there have been a number of national observances or local observances, including Hammock Day. How many of you like a good hammock? Uh, Day of the Cowboy is the fourth Saturday of July. Rat Catcher's Day. Parents' Day is the fourth Sunday in July. Vanilla Ice Cream Day was the 23rd, last Sunday. Amelia Earhart Day, the 24th, which, you know, there was a, a lot of um, a lot of noise in the news about a potential recently discovered photograph showing uh, a man and a woman in the Marshall Islands pre-World War II. People were thinking maybe it was Amelia Earhart. And since then, I think maybe that's been debunked, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but it was Amelia Earhart Day on the 24th. It's also the 24th was Cousins Day and uh, Tell an Old Joke Day. The 25th, Culinarians Day and Threading the Needle Day. 26th, All or Nothing Day, Aunt and Uncle Day. And the 27th, uh, Take Your House Plants for a Walk Day. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, let's see. 28th, Today, National Milk Chocolate Day. System Administrator Appreciation Day. We appreciate you, system administrators. Tomorrow will be International Tiger Day, National Chicken Wings Day, and National Lasagna Day. That's a good day. And Sunday, wrapping it up with uh, National Cheesecake Day, Father-in-Law Day, and International Day of Friendship. And then the 31st Monday is Mutt's Day. You know, like Boonie Dog? Mutt's Day. So maybe you can go visit, uh, maybe you can go visit the gain shelter. And I do have a an expert just uh, chimed in, by the way, to inform me that, yes, it was 100% debunked, the Amelia Earhart photo, because the photo was dated 1935, two years before she disappeared. I, I remember hearing that, and that's what I was thinking was happening. So the History Channel got a lot of airtime out of that, but it seems like that's something that they probably could have figured out very early on. So Anyway, but it was Amelia Earhart Day, probably no coincidence that uh, the timing of that all came out around that time. Now, being episode 225, uh, we've been doing this a long time. We've had a lot of opportunities to to engage you, the listener, and find out what you like and, and just enjoy kind of having a nice Friday afternoon where you can let your hair down. And one of the segments that uh, we all like around here is this one. It is called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of many a successful person. Many of these quotes are taken from a book by the same name, written by Horace, or compiled by Horace Martin Woodhouse. And today, 
This is the little plaque on the desk of the self-help guru, Ken Blanchard. The plaque says, people who produce good results feel good about themselves. Ken Blanchard, management expert, author of The One Minute Manager, co-authored by Spencer Johnson, a book that has sold over 13 million copies, translated into 37 languages. Chief Spiritual Officer of the Ken Blanchard Companies, international management training consulting firm. He and his wife, Marjorie Blanchard, co-founded in 1979 San Diego. Among many accolades, Blanchard has been honored as one of the top 10 leadership professionals in the International Leadership Gurus Survey 2007-2008. Global Gurus International identifies him as the top most influential leadership professional in the world by merit and public voting. Blanchard is a visiting professor at Cornell University School of Hotel Administration. And again, the plaque on Ken Blanchard's desk says, people who produce good results feel good about themselves. And that is The Buck Stops Here. I just love knowing what makes people tick. What motivates them? What do they keep in front of themselves to, to try and remind them? I just hung up a little quote on my bulletin board above my desk. I'm going to start having inspirational quotes. And this is a picture of a John Wayne dressed as a Green Beret from the 1960s movie by the same name. And it just is a quote by John Wayne says, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Now, I don't know when I'll use that quote, but I do like having it on the wall. It's very inspiring. So maybe you have your favorite quote. You can send that to us through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Let us know what's your favorite quote. What's the inspiring quote? Maybe it's a Bible verse. Maybe it's a a word of wisdom from someone that's maybe been a a mentor to you. Maybe it's something corny like a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Let us know. Send it to our Facebook page or email it to us through khmg.org. You can contact us through our website. We're going to take a short break. This is Jared Baldwin, live till 5, 314 p.m. on Friday, July 28th. It is episode 225. Thanks for staying tuned. We'll take a short break and be right back after this. a little more live till 5 is 3.18 p.m. on Friday, July 28th. Episode 225, 225 episodes in the can, as we say in the biz, on record in archives, going down in history as one of the longest running radio programs at KHMG, other than all the other ones that are much longer. Longest running Friday afternoon live talk show we've ever had on KHMG. It's the only one, actually, for those of you that are new to the listening audience. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It's Friday, July 28, 319 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries. During the summertime, it doesn't mean as much. 
because on Friday afternoons, this place is pretty quiet. But in about two and a half weeks, this place is going to be hopping with almost a thousand full-time day students and about 80 college students and about 150 staff members full-time and part-time. This place becomes a bustling metropolis. And uh, we're glad to be part of it here at KHMG. We provide a ministry service to the community and also to our own little constituency here at Harvest. So we want to reach out and draw on a broader listening audience all across the island and really all around the world with our internet by khmg.org. You can listen to the live stream or the podcast. But locally, we also want to be a service to those that put their kids in the school, people that attend Harvest Baptist Church, people that are in the greater Christian community on Guam. But you know what? We are equal opportunity radio station. Anyone can listen anytime. We love to have you as part of the audience. So thank you very much for tuning in. If you ever miss part of the show, noon to two on Saturdays, seven to 9 p.m. Sunday nights, we rebroadcast all two hours in its entirety on purpose because we know many people cannot listen on Fridays or can't listen to the whole show and they want to catch up on the rest of the show. It's a great time to do it. Now, one of my favorite segments of the show also is the idiom part of the show. This is where I explain to you the origin, the history, the meaning of certain figures of speech that maybe you're familiar with the figure of speech or maybe you can kind of figure out what it means, but you don't know where it came from. And this is particularly important because some of these are regional or cultural phrases that uh, it's just good to know what people mean by what they say. And if you didn't grow up speaking these phrases, these little colloquialisms, this will help you even more. For example, if someone says, take a back seat, what does it mean? Well, the idiom became popular in the United States in the middle 1880s. It comes from being in the back seat of a vehicle. When you're in the driver's seat, you're the boss and in control. When you're in the back seat, you're in a secondary position. It's like playing second fiddle is another idiom there. So take a back seat means to be in an inferior position or take second place to another person who is in control. Take a powder. Many people were using this expression in the United States in 1925. Earlier, they said dust out of here or take run out powder to mean depart in a rush. The dust in the earlier saying referred to the dust kicked up by one's shoes and running away. The expression may have changed to powder because of the explosiveness of gunpowder. If you flee so you won't get caught for something, you're taking a powder to leave quickly, to sneak out or run out of a place to take a powder. I always assumed that was a more of a makeup reference, like someone was going to go powder their nose. Maybe I was mixing my metaphors there. Uh, take a shine to. The American saying dates back to the 1880s, probably came from the earlier expression to shine up to someone. That meant to behave nicely so someone will like you. Then they take a shine to you because your appearance and personality. A similar saying would be to take a fancy to. It means to become fond of, to take a shine to. Take it to the hoop. Modern African-American expression comes from the game of basketball. If a player gets possession of the ball and takes it all the way to the hoop and makes a basket, he or she has succeeded succeeded perfectly at what they set out to do. The saying also applied to the area of life in which you carry out an undertaking all the way to its successful conclusion. To accomplish a project successfully, take it to the hoop. 
take off your hat to someone. In the middle of the 1800s, when this expression was born, many men wore hats. When a gentleman met a lady on the street, he tipped his hat as a gesture of respect. Today, even if you're not wearing a hat, you can say you're taking your hat off to someone whose achievements you admire. Take someone under your wing. The idea of a person offering protection to another person, just as a mother bird takes her babies under the security of her wing, was first mentioned in the Bible. In 1885, the famous Englishman who wrote comic operas, the Englishmen, plural, who wrote comic operas, Gilbert and Sullivan, further popularized the expression in a song in their musical, The Mikado. To take someone on your wing means to help, guide, or protect someone. Take the bitter with the sweet. The famous English poet, famous, famous English poet of the 14th century, Geoffrey Chaucer, he's, he's actually the source of a few idioms. We've talked about him before. First used this idea in one of his poems, and many other writers have since adopted the phrase. Of course, bitter represents bad happenings, and sweet stands for the good. Some people say that you have to take the rough with the smooth, and that expression gets the message across just as effectively. Take the bitter with sweet means to accept the bad things that happen along with the good things. Take the bull by the horns. For centuries, daring bullfighters called matadors have been seizing bulls by the horns to wrestle them to the ground. It happens on ranches and in rodeos too. By the 1800s, this brave but risky action had been expanded symbolically to other areas of life. The bull stood for any kind of trouble or challenge. Taking the bull by the horns means to act bravely in a troublesome situation, to face up to a difficult challenge and take decisive action. And finally, and so appropriately, take the cake. A cake has been a popular prize at at contests for many centuries. In the time of ancient Greeks, the winner of the cake was the person who could stay awake the longest at an all-night party. In the late 1800s, the United States, the cake winners were couples uh, a couple judged best in a dance contest. The winning dance was called the Cake Walk. Remember, we talked about that. Since then, the African-American saying has meant being the best in any endeavor. To deserve the highest award or prize is to take the cake. And we had the privilege of taking the cake here two weeks ago. You might have seen that if you were on our Facebook page where we mentioned and had pictures of, and then we at length talked about the wonderful cake that JL provided to us for Sebastian's birthday, the German chocolate, uh, greatest ever German chocolate cake. If you hadn't heard us talking about that, uh, we talked about it quite a bit. Now we're going to take a short break. When we come back, someone that takes the cake that I will tip my hat to, Lawrence Nagengasp, history professor extraordinaire, who's going to be with us for this day in history. It is Friday, July 28, 326 p.m., here at the KHMG Studios. I'm Jared Baldwin. Love having you with us. Stay with us as we take a short break. We'll be right back after this. And 
We're back with a little more live till 5. It's 3.29 p.m. on this Friday, July 28th. Glad to have you with us. Broadcasting now in our 225th episode. Trying to make people laugh every week. Just got a very nice email from Bob the Librarian that he is listening right now. And actually made him snicker, which is one of the three... uh, Acceptable responses to the first 20 minutes of every Live Till 5 snickering. And a matter of fact, uh, I think one good snicker deserves another, if you know what I mean. I mean, you could bring by some snickers if you'd like. We're only one floor away. Feel free to come by anytime. We're going to get a nine-inch tall snicker. Yes. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we did with the cake. Yeah. Yeah. You know... Uh, or he's just going to give fact, a snicker right now and move on. Maybe. <laughs> Bob, you could team up with JL, the uh, the world-famous baker, and come up with some kind of snicker-themed dessert to honor Lawrence Nackengast for all his hard work. Oh, wow. Uh, this day in history, he's put in all this time. He's been so faithful. He's, he's done well over 100 episodes, probably 150, 200 episodes. And... and you know, rarely misses unless he's got family here or a basketball game or forgets. And you could bring <laughs> him a Snicker-themed dessert, and that would be really nice, I think. And uh, I don't even have to try any. And by next Friday, he'll be ready <laughs> right. to eat some. But next Friday, we're down at the Cove. Uh, oh, that's all right. the staff is together. That's right. we got to figure out something for that. We might have a best-of episode next week. Yeah. So we'll have to go back. Maybe we'll play like... And we have to play one that's totally off cycle, so no one's confused, like a Christmas episode or something like that. So it's totally. Oh yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. So the new, yeah, Christmas in. Oh, it'll be August though. Oh, that's so right. That's we're, right. We'll be about four days shy of Christmas in July yeah. there, hmm. but maybe close. Uh, a shout out to that. Yes. Idea. We got to be careful not to broadcast one that is like storm related or something, because we don't want to start a panic. <laughs> War yeah, of the worlds. A dolphin episode. We know. We know how powerful radio can be. War of the worlds. From what I hear. Uh, they were. It was such a moving broadcast that the urban legend is that people were desperately, you know, afraid that something bad was really happening in War of the Worlds. Chris, what do you know about that? Well, we I know that we don't want to start anything like a a stampede or a no. a yeah. run on the banks. That's right, or anything of that nature. No, yeah, need. I see Uncle Bob right here. Uh-oh. What? Come on in. We need to we need to have uh, Bob Librarian in here because he's (laughs) contributed to this show over and over again. So come on in. We have a microphone for you. Right. Oh, and Bob just brought us a bowl of candy. Look at this. Hold on. Stand by, listening audience, as you listen to the beautiful Lone Ranger uh, theme song. Wow. Oh yeah, this is great. You know, more people if they knew. That you got free candy every time you yeah. checked out a book, they would come to the library. There's always a jar of candy on Bob the Librarian's desk. All you got to do is ask. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate it. It's good to see you. Wow. It is. It's you know what? Sweet. Advertising works. <laughs> We've proved it two shows in a row. Yeah, that was instantaneous. That was. We, we need to aim higher now. Yeah. We need to aim higher. The results are We got a cake. Impressive. We got candy. Now we need to kind of start uh, aiming at um, wonderful cash and prizes, yeah, marketable yeah. securities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coffee mugs. Sure, sure. Um, extra securities. large polo shirts. Uh, 
You know, let's right. let's start. Let, Stocks, we'll, we'll come up with bonds. Yeah, I think pork bellies, pork bellies, futures. <laughs> I think we're headed futures. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh boy, listeners, thanks for being so patient with us. We just like to have a good time on uh, Friday afternoons. By the time Friday afternoon rolls around, we're already kind of let our hair down, so to speak. And kick our shoes off, which I just did as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Lawrence is here. It is the 28th of July, and Lawrence has been providing us with really great historical data on what's happened this day in history. So, Lawrence, take it away. What happened on uh, July 28th in history? Okay. Well, as always, we usually end up somewhere before the 1900s. This one just before, 1893. A petition organized by Kate Shepard demanding women's suffrage is delivered to New Zealand's parliament. Eh, it's not that interesting. However, it is signed by over 25,000 women. It's a fifth of the adult European female population. That's a, that's a lot signing a petition, but it just goes to show how, uh, how this women's suffrage had, had gotten traction around the world, and pretty much by the beginning of the 1900s, most most modern countries will have both men and women voting, Great. which is what suffrage means. How's that candy, by the way? Really good. I got it over here, and I couldn't speak out of one side of my mouth. It, it got it got it away. It must be juicy, huh? It was tucked over here for a minute, and then that that got oh, away. Oh yeah, so. that's that's basically standing in for this. Uh, what's in my coffee uh, episode? Yeah. What, what's Just in, uh, what's what's in my what's in my, my cheek? Pe- my peppermint. What's in my what's in my jaw? Yeah. Um. 1915, because of virtual anarchy, U.S. Marines go ashore on Haiti on orders from President Woodrow Wilson, so lead to an occupation that will last until 1934. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, is that from the halls of Montezuma? Montezuma is in Africa. Okay. That's, um, I know Tripoli is in Tripoli's Africa. in Africa as well. Montezuma, um, or I'm sorry, Haiti, this is just kind of a side quest mm, okay. before they got involved in World War One, but they were there all the way for the next... Uh, 19 years uh, occupying Haiti, and um, so I again, I, not a whole lot of people realize um, that was a thing going on during World War One. 1917 silent parade organized by James Weldon Johnson of 10,000 African Americans who marched on Fifth Avenue in New York City to protest against lynching. So that silent parade um, is is pretty much what it sounds like. Is just that's probably a, a very powerful, very statement. powerful statement. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would Should be. have more of those. Uh, yeah, just people walking in silence up, up the road. That would be intense. 1943, U.S. President FDR announces end of coffee rationing in the U.S., um, which I'm sure was a good day. Uh, but if you're not a coffee drinker, that I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, 1945, U.S. Senate ratifies United Nations Charter, uh, 89 to 2. Um, I'm not really sure where the other nine Senate. Oh, you know where? I don't think, I don't think Hawaii and Alaska are states yet. So what year still, was it? 1945. Yes, that's before. Yeah, yeah but before that's 91. So maybe there was only 96 total at the time, I believe. So there's still a couple missing. Uh, 1945. This one's an interesting one. That's from this part of the world. Physicist Raymer Schreiber. And Lieutenant Colonel Pierre de Silva. What, what was arrive, his name again? I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Raymer Schreiber uh, and Lieutenant Colonel Pierre de Silva arrive on the Pacific island of Tinian, which is just about, um, I don't know, 80 miles, uh, maybe 100 miles north of Guam. 
Um, with the plutonium core used to assemble the Fat Man bomb used in the bombing of Nagasaki on August 9th. Um, so August 6th is coming up. It's actually uh, next Sunday is the first bombing of Hiroshima, and then Nagasaki will be three days after that. Fat Man and Little Boy were the and two little bombs, boy. right? Yeah. yeah. It's true. Uh, Walt Disney's animated musical film Alice in Wonderland was released this day in 1951. Uh, so they had already released a few... Uh, Disney um, movies so far, and Alice in Wonderland was released 1951 um, today. Uh, 1960 Republican National Convention selects Richard Nixon as candidate. And um, 1960 um, is, I believe, during the Ford presidency. Uh, I'm sorry, the Kennedy presidency. And um, in this would he would have run? I think it's in the 1962 election uh, is when he won. Um, after Johnson, uh, when he went against Johnson. Or no, that's not true. How many times did Nixon run? Twice? Because he would have lost that next one because uh, LBJ won. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm foggy on that history. But um, We take your word well. for it because yeah. you know better than we do. Well, he, he didn't win. the LBJ, I believe, won an election. He did. Um, the one so. after he took over for Kennedy and then Nixon. And then um, he chose not to run for a second full term. So LBJ was like president for one and a half terms yeah, or something. Of right? sorts, yeah. Yeah. Kennedy assassination was in sixty three. Sixty three in November, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So he went from there Yeah, about one and a half terms. Uh because in nineteen sixty five LBJ sends fifty thousand more soldiers to Vietnam, total of hundred and twenty five thousand. Uh I believe Vietnam is the only um true war that America has ever been I guess part of the losing side, um, I guess there's been some ceasefires like in the Korean conflict. Um, but as far as losing and it becoming a unified, um, communist country, uh, cause it was set up to be kind of like Korea, but now it's, it's a complete communist Vietnam today. Um, the last few things here, of course, we always like to end or we attempt to end on a positive note and, um, so let's see. 2016, earliest evidence of cancer found in 1.7 million year old toe fossil from wow. Swarakins Cave, South Africa, published in South Africa Journal of Science. Wow. That's so, a note. A 1.7 million old toe fossil. Wow. In 2061, so looking ahead, 31st predicted perihelion passage of Halley's Comet. We were just talking about that last night. Yes. So. Yeah. We saw like five shooting stars last night in about one hour as we were sitting outside. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Good. Though, though the toe being 1.7 million, I think we just had a little power fluctuation up here. Are we still on the air? If you check the modulation, we will find out if we are still on the air. For those listening to the podcast, we're not actually broadcasting over the air right now, but the power looks like it's coming back on. Stand by. Let's see. Um, I will. I see. Sure. I so. see a little bit of bouncing there, but uh, for those listening online, yeah. you are still able to hear this broadcast. But those listening over the airwaves have just lost our broadcast for a little bit. I'm going to take a look at well, the uh, Chris. You go do what you technical do. Technical stuff. It was uh, Lawrence's um, 100 and 
seven million year old toe comment yeah, that, that took, us, it. took us right off the air. That so. tripped it. That was a little much for the radio today. Oh boy. So Lawrence, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, tonight there's a little, uh, I think a little birthday party that I'm doing and then tomorrow is another one. But uh, in between those times, there is some uh, master's homework that I do need yes, to, yes, to finish. Yes, yes. And uh, so other than that, a new staff is coming in here at, at Harvest. And uh, so we're really excited to get them. I think the last few uh, come in tomorrow night. And then everybody's back. Uh, even the, the full-time staff come back this weekend. And uh, we get ready to kick the year off again. We start uh, pretty much um, two weeks from this upcoming Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so a little more, two and a half weeks or yep. so. So there's a little bit of time left for the kiddos, but there uh, is. for staff there members, is. we're getting busy this week. And Chris says we're back on the air. For folks listening listening on 88.1 FM, we did have a power outage at the studio, but it, we were just momentarily off, and then we were able to set everything back up, so we're back up and running again. I don't know if the generator is running. I imagine either I that's happening that's or it was just a momentary power outage. Okay. All right. So, well, our our crack technical team uh, uh, fixed the problem very quickly. <laughs> Either that, or just the generator came or on, or the generator came <laughs> yeah. on. One or the other. One yep. or the other. Well, Lawrence, thanks for uh, giving us this day in history for July twenty eighth, and hope you have a great weekend. We're going to take a short break, listeners. Stick around. More live till five after this. back with a little more live till five it is friday july 28th 3 46 p.m here at the worldwide headquarters of harvest family radio khmg 88.1 fm barragata guam glad to have you with us if you're listening to the live broadcast hope that uh you are not experiencing the same power fluctuations that we are here at the broadcast studio but we are blessed to have a backup generator with an automatic transfer switch. It keeps us mostly on the air, unless there's also a power outage at the transmitter site. Those listening online, no interruption of service necessarily. So glad to have you with us. Wherever you're listening to us, however you're listening to us, glad that you could be with us today for this episode 225. Bob the Librarian so graciously came by and gave us all some candy. Sent us a nice note. And he also sent me a great article from BBC News Health. Ten things you may not know about laughter. Let's see here. Number one. Of the ten things you probably didn't know about laughter, rats are ticklish. You want to see a rat laugh? Then tickle it. Rats laugh, chimps laugh, and so do dogs. But rats aren't laughing at jokes. They laugh when they're playing in the same way humans do. The show that they're happy and encourage bonding. The rats that played more laughed more. So rats laugh. 
Number two, laughter isn't about jokes. Ask adults what makes them laugh, and most will tell you it's not jokes and humor. The most will tell you it's jokes and humor, but they would be wrong. Robert Provine, a psychologist from the University of Maryland, found that we actually laugh most when we're talking to our friends. In fact, we're 30 times more likely to laugh at something when we are with other people. Number three, your brain can tell the difference between deliberate and helpless laughing. Uh, Let's see here. Not only does your brain automatically tell the difference, but listening to stage laughter produces greater activity in an area called the anterior medial prefrontal cortex. It's known to be involved in the understanding of other people's emotions. It shows that we automatically try to comprehend someone's deliberate laughs, even when not instructed to do so. Number four, something you didn't know about laughter. Laughter is catching. Our brain scans also reveal that laughter is contagious. Even when someone is having their brain scanned, which is not really very funny at all, you can see the brain responding to laughter by preparing their facial muscles to join in. Number five, people you know are funnier. Well, that's absolutely true in my family. Uh, The fact that laughter encourages laughter is why an MC at a comedy club will spend a lot of time warming up the audience to keep the energy high between the acts. But but, uh, familiarity... And our own expectations are still often at the heart of laughter. This is true. When you go to like a staff gathering and someone makes you laugh and they get on a roll and you just can't hardly stop laughing, that is very true, that the people you know are funnier. Laughter doesn't make you any fitter. The internet is full of claims that laughter is great for your health. It's sadly not true. However, laughter burns more calories than going for a run. That is not true. Okay, so people say that, but it's not actually true. You only burn 10 to 40 calories for every 10 to 15 minutes laughing. Let's see here. Relationships last longer when you laugh. Number seven. Number eight. Laughter requires precise timing. You know that's true. Have you ever been around someone that laughs like just one second off? Like you're telling something, and before you actually get to the punchline, one second before you say the funny part, someone starts laughing? Or... What about if someone delays one full second before they laugh? Yeah, laughter is all about timing. Laughter is attractive. And some things are almost guaranteed to make you laugh, according to this article. People trying not to laugh is very funny, according to this article. So, very interesting. uh, BBC.com had this article about the 10 things you might not know about about laughter by Professor Professor Sophie Scott, provided to me by Bob the Librarian. Thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate that. He is a regular contributor to the show because he usually gives us the list of the observances of each month as well. Plus, he'll send us really interesting things from the library. And then we've had him up here on occasion. We'll have him up here when school starts back up. So we'll plan on that. So thanks a lot, Bob, for that. Now, One of the segments we've had on this show ever since the very beginning, 225 episodes ago, even in the lost episode, the episode that no one's ever heard except for me and John Collier, I did this segment. I call it Stranger Than Fiction because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. And these are funny little stories or things that I've read that caught my attention. Very interesting This, today, all of my Stranger Than Fiction stories are coming from World Magazine, Quick Takes, Dispatches. This is the July 22nd issue. Right here. 
It's not unusual for weather to cause flight cancellations, but it is when the flights are from Phoenix. American Airlines on June 20th announced that it would cancel dozens of flights from Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix due to a predicted 120-degree temperature. The airline said the predicted high was above the safety parameters for some of its aircraft. Although the official temperature reached only 119, it was still above the operating threshold for some of the airline's fleet. In June 1990, Phoenix experienced 122 degrees, the all-time high for the city. Can you imagine 120 degrees, 30 degrees hotter than it is outside right now? Boy, that would be bad. Here you go. Here's another one. In a move to reduce paperwork at federal agencies, the Trump administration on June 15th finally ended the federal government's preparation for the year 2000 bug, the Y2K bug. During the late 1990s, the government tasked employees with solving potential computer glitches that would disable computers when the year changed from 1999 to 2000. We're looking for stuff everyone agrees is a complete waste of time, Office of Management and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney said. And eliminating work on a 17-year-old threat seemed like a good candidate to the director. How about this? Breaking and entering inmates at the Montana State Prison have a new group of cellmates. According to the Montana Department of Corrections, a number of gophers have chewed their way through window screens at the facility's low-security unit and entered cells. According to the officials, some inmates have taken precautions like using cardboard to seal up their rooms, while others have made friends with the animals by feeding them. Chicago Blackhawks right-winger Marion Hassa may be retiring from his long NHL career, and he has his uniform to blame. The 38-year-old announced June 21st that he will miss the entire 2017-2018 season due to a rare allergy to his hockey equipment. That career pause may become permanent if his doctors cannot solve Hassa's skin disorder. Very interesting. And then how about let's just do one more here. More than a decade after botching a a home repair, Jerry Lynn of Ross Township, Pennsylvania, is still living with the consequences in 2004. Ross had seemingly genius idea of lowering an alarm clock on a string inside a wall in order to let him know where to drill a hole. As I was laying down, all of a sudden I heard it go thunk and it came loose. Lynn told the local uh, TV affiliate KDKA with its alarm set, The clock began ringing at 7.50 p.m. each night, but Lynn said he expected the battery to last a few months at the most. Now, 13 years later, Lynn says the batteries have kept the alarm going strong and his evenings are noisy. (laughs) That's funny. That is a funny thing. So trying to come up with a solution, dropping a clock down inside the wall ended up being a long-term problem. Well, You are listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM. Glad to have you with us today. You know, being episode 225, been doing this a long time. And uh, we enjoy doing this every Friday afternoon for two hours. It's kind of like the fastest two hours of my week. I mean, I have a lot of meetings and two-hour-long appointments throughout the week, but Live Till 5 always just flies by. I think part of that is because it's just so enjoyable to get to communicate with those of you that are listening by by radio or online, to be able to have the interaction with the guys here in the studio and to be able to have the guests come in and talk about different things. It's just so much fun. It's very much uh, intended to be a lighthearted approach and uh, 
and a little bit impromptu on uh, and extemporaneous on some of the conversation. It's not a, a strictly scripted program. We do have a general guideline of where we want to go, and we always want to check ourselves to make sure that what we say is glorifying to God and encouraging to others. And it is intended, though, to help you just have a nice alternative on a Friday afternoon as you're maybe driving home from work or you've picked up the kids or maybe Saturday you're running errands headed to the grocery store. Sunday night you're heading home from church. We want this to be enjoyable for you. And again, you can go to khmg.org and we have the podcasts of this show and you can go back and download other podcasts, two-hour-long podcasts, really a lot of fun uh, for that. And then you can also put a link out there on your own social media, on your own Facebook, on your own Twitter And let people know you're listening. If you hear something you really like, uh, share that location so that people will also come to our website and see what we have to offer. Live Till 5 is really the the least important thing that we offer via podcast. I mean, I enjoy it and our listeners enjoy it, but we have some really great programming that is Bible teaching, edifying, really good stuff. Take Note, Living Redemptively, Heart of Harvest, uh, um, building great leaders and other programs that we have on Harvest Family Radio, and they're all available for download via podcast on khmg.org. You can also listen to our stream all the time. So many people don't listen to the radio because they're not around the radio, but you don't have to have a radio to listen to KHMG. All you have to have is an internet connection, and you can listen on your smart device, like your tablet, your, your iPad. You can listen on your phone. There are all kinds of free FM radio apps that you can download. Uh, Tune In is a very popular one. There are some others out there as well. And then you can listen just through our website, khmg.org, and listen to our stream that way. And we'd love to have you tuning in that way. And then, of course, again, go to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam, and click on that, like it, and then what will happen is you'll start receiving updates anytime we upload something to our Facebook page, whether that's pictures or whether that's a podcast or a new song. Chris Harper's been uploading some songs to our radio station library, and then he'll put like the video version of that song on the Facebook page, and it kind of gives you a little background. It's really a neat, neat way. Maybe there's a special sermon he's sharing in one of the other programs. He'll put a link there. So Facebook's a great way to have two-way communication with you, our listening audience, and we'd love to have you tuning in that way. Now, we're going to take a little short break for the news and go into the second hour of Live Till 5. Chris will be joining me in the second hour talking about some extra news beyond just our SRN broadcast. But you're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG, 88.1 88.1 FM, Barragata Guam, Harvest Family Radio. Stick around for another hour of Live Till 5 after this short break for the news.
And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. It's Friday, July 28th, 4.04 p.m. on the live broadcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It is episode 225, the second half of this episode. You can catch us on the rebound Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. If you're listening to 88.1 FM, you can also go to khmg.org and download the podcast and listen whenever's convenient. We love to have you tuning in. We also like to hear from you through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Find us on Facebook, like us, send us a, a message. Let us know what you think about this show and other programs that we do on KHMG. Also, when you like us, you'll be able to get updates on all the different things we're doing here at the radio station. We'd love to stay in touch with you. You know, radio sometimes feels like a one-way mode of communication because we don't always get feedback. We don't know how many people are listening. There's no electronic device that tells us how many people have their radios tuned to KHMG. We can tell how many people are listening online, though. We can tell how many people have downloaded the podcast, and we get messages back from people through our email address or through our Facebook page. But we love to hear from you, and we love to know that you're listening. If you see us on the at church or on the street or at the store. I don't think you'll see us on the street. I guess that's just an idiom. Yeah. Chris, does anyone ever see you on the street? Uh, I have met people in various uh, shopping yes. malls and things, but not not, not like on the street. Literally on the street. Yeah, I, I just no. caught myself as I was saying I that. I'm do like, a lot of walking. Right, yeah, you'd have to... You know, if someone met you on the street, I guess that would be more if you're in an urban, if you're in an urban setting, yes. they meet you on the street. New York City. You can Here, meet yeah. Your it's more like street. meet you at Payless or Cosulus or King's or something like that. Right. McDonald's. Yes. Right. Okay. Great. Or at church. Excellent. Well, Chris, what's happening in the news? Well, just a few things that come from srnnews.com. Uh, some of them have been discussed during our top of the hour uh, news broadcast, not necessarily this particular hour, but you might have heard some of the details to these. Uh, Israel overnight removed all security infrastructure that it had put in place this month at the Muslim entrances to the Aqsa Mosque compound that's in Jerusalem's old city, stepping up its efforts to defuse political and religious tension. The government had already dismantled metal detectors it installed in the area after the killing of two Israeli policemen on July 14th, hoping the move would calm 10 days of often violent protests that have put the city on edge. But separate security measures, including closed-circuit cameras and low metal gates were left in place, angering Palestinian leaders and the population who have threatened a day of rage on Friday. Most Muslims have avoided entering the compound the past two weeks, praying instead in the streets. The standoff at the holy site, known to Muslims as the Noble Sanctuary, to Jews as the Temple Mount, has provoked some of the worst bloodshed in Jerusalem for years, with peace efforts having stagnated since 2014. The United States top general told the military on Thursday there had been no change yet to Pentagon policy on transgender personnel after President Donald Trump's announcement of his plans to ban them appeared to catch senior officers by surprise. 
Marine General Joseph Dunford, chairman of the military's Joint Chiefs of Staff, began his note to service chiefs, commanders, and senior enlisted leaders by acknowledging the uncertainty that followed Trump's announcement. I know there are questions about yesterday's announcement, Dunford wrote, on transgender policy. There will be no modifications to the current policy until the president's direction has been received by the Secretary of Defense and the secretary has issued implementation guidance. That was, again, a message from uh, General Dunford. Dunford made the assurance to U.S. military that they would treat all personnel with respect. The message neither voiced support nor opposition to Trump's decision, or at least the announcement that a decision had been made. And some of our listening audience might remember it was only maybe a, a year, year and a half ago where uh, President Obama had come out uh, not only um, endorsing transgender people in the military, right. but then a panel was set up to find transgender people that wanted to be in the military. And that was a big news item maybe a year and a half ago. It was part of a package where uh, the draft uh, uh, females were also yes, submitted right. to draft uh, guidelines and were, are now permitted to fight on the front lines. So this is something that if you have girls like I have that are uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, that if there were a conflict, your little girls, your young ladies could be drafted and put on the front lines to fight. So um, we're talking about things that are historically unprecedented. Yeah. Historically unprecedented. So uh, we talked about that today. I had a, uh, an interview with Pastor Joe Henson. We're going to talk about theologically how we look at some of these things on, a, on an upcoming episode of uh, Take Note, just uh, for listeners, uh, probably Monday and Tuesday, actually. So... Uh, Japan will impose additional sanctions on North Korea for its weapons programs. The announcement was made just hours after the U.S. Senate also voted for new sanctions on the secretive state. U.S. media reported this week that the Defense Intelligence Agency, the Pentagon spy agency, had assessed that North Korea would be able to field a nuclear-capable intercontinental ballistic missile by next year, Earlier than previously thought, Japan will be taking steps to freeze the assets of five groups, including two from China, as well as nine individuals. And the U.S. Senate voted overwhelmingly on Thursday to slap new restrictions on North Korea, also Iran and Russia, including seeking to punish foreign banks that do business with North Korea. This is a, a study that I've heard referenced several times today on the station with current programming, and that is that the American Culture and Faith Institute is listing a person as having a biblical worldview if he uses a traditional reading of scriptures as a guide to what he thinks and what he does. Sounds like a pretty good definition. Sure. There's more details than that, but that's that's the general definition. And ACFI finds that only about 10% of the U.S. population has a biblical worldview, and the older you are, the more likely you are to qualify According to that definition, women are also more likely than men and mid Midwesterners, uh, more than folks of other regions of the country. 
And this is in contrast to, on occasion, I've mentioned that the word evangelical, you have to be very careful when you see news reports about evangelical, because it can mean almost anything on the range of uh, wearing the label Christian. And I say Mm -hmm. label for a very specific reason, whereas this is talking about your actual belief system Right, and whether you're using the Bible as a basic, uh, as a basis for what you think and what you do. Yep. So this was an interesting one, and it gives us different numbers. Um, occasionally on SRN News, you'll have something about the majority of evangelicals believe this, and that's some huge number of people right. that really do not use the Bible as a basis for their thinking and acting. Right. Well, because evangelical uh, is not only used as a noun, but it can also be used as an adjective. So there are evangelical Lutherans, evangelical Catholics, evangelical Mormons. Sure. And and then there are evangelicals, which is a noun. And and so it's such a uh, diluted term. And really the definition that you stated would be very close to what the traditional historical definition of a fundamentalist sure. used to be. Yeah. Because they believed in these principles from the Bible that were non-changing. And, you know, that term has maybe fallen onto hard times in the in the greater, you know, world of communicating. But but really what you defined was really what used to be called a fundamentalist. And I was glad to see that these numbers were being used in some sectors this week because a lot of the the numbers that are used when you use that evangelicals term is are really massively inflated, and right. it's just become so uh, diluted as as to almost mean nothing. Right. It's sort of, you're you're not representing any particular belief system. You're just sort of saying lots of people that say the word God sometimes, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so sure. general yep. that it's like they kind of believe in God, so therefore throw them in there. Well, there are certain social media um, article generating sites that basically are looking for any possible excuse to make the assertion that someone that is famous is actually a Christian, an evangelical. Yes, this yes. week I saw an article. Someone said Jim Carrey, you know, basically talks about pain and suffering as a way to get to know God, or something like that was yes. the title. And it was a, you know, isn't this great? Jim Carrey promotes the gospel. Right. Jim Carrey was not promoting the gospel. <laughs> you know, you're 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 really you're contriving something that isn't actually true, which he would actually contradict. And there are so many of these out there. And this is probably all of human history. People are always looking to find, you know, celebrities that identify with where they're at. But there there are many who would take the term evangelical and apply it to someone that you know, okay, well, they, they don't worship the devil, and they're not, you know, that bad, and so they must be evangelical. Um, and and it, it, you need to define your terms and really be very specific, because, you know, eternity hangs in the balance for people. You don't want to convince someone that uh, they are right with God by giving them a label that makes them feel better about themselves. Now, 
you know, doesn't mean you have to go around insulting everyone, but you do have to call truth, truth and error, error and stand for the truth. And, you know, you don't have to, uh, categorize people as, okay, they're either, you know, Muslim or evangelical. I mean, there are a lot of different ways you can categorize people, but you do need to call truth, truth. Some people that are called evangelical do not know Christ. Right. I mean, that's just, that's a fact. And so you have to be discerning as a Christian not to, uh, you know, talk someone into heaven uh, just because you are, you hope that they agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Research is uh, an interesting thing. And we do air some research, um, some I look into after I hear it on the air. And uh, I wonder how, how well the, the terms are defined. And I was just thankful that this, the terms of this study are a little bit more well-defined. Um, so uh, just be careful. Be careful out there. Make yep. sure you're looking at uh, everything uh, twice and uh, view things from a variety of sources to try to make sure you're defining terms because we need to be informed people yep. today. You know, it is very easy to get caught up in the urgency of a single source for a story. I remember the uh, when the mining accident happened 10, 12 years ago. I think it was in West Virginia and they had a bunch of miners died. Yeah. But there was this good news that a couple miners actually survived. And then I was going to make that like a, I was going to be speaking that night in church. So I was going to make that my illustration. I just read it real quick. And then, well, it wasn't true. Sure. All the minor, one miner did survive. All the other miners passed away. There was no, it was, I, my, my illustration was going to be, look, it's a miracle. You know, they all survived. Well, it was one source. It wasn't true, and it really um, kind of discredits everything else you say. So right. it's it's really wise for, especially for Christians, if you're communicating publicly to get your facts straight. And if you don't have the facts, you don't have to communicate it. You don't have to just fill the space. So Yeah, at the same time, uh, I'm not a fan of saying everyone is lying. Right. Sometimes stories are not clear. And so you're desperately trying to get it right. Sure. And they're not clear. Yep. That's not necessarily that the reporters right. are making stuff up and lying. And we've had that Sometimes. here with weather, right when we're in the middle of a storm situation sure. and we're trying to get sure. the latest and we, we're using multiple sources and we might have either contradictory information or we don't realize that this is uh, one hour more obsolete than something else or... You know, the sources get it wrong sometimes. I mean, no one is infallible when it sure. comes to the news. And so I remember when Typhoon Dolphin came through a couple of years ago, we we got a report at 4.55 that the storm had passed. And then all of a sudden we got hit with 70 mile per hour winds on campus. Sure. And so the the best information they had, they they were right. But the information changed so quickly that uh, the, the actual reports couldn't keep up with the act, what was actually happening. Yeah, especially if it's a situation where it's currently unfolding. Right. Anything that's currently unfolding, including something that's happening in a legislative body or an executive branch or in the judiciary, whatever the case may be, if anything is currently unfolding, some facts are unclear. And so it's also not a good idea to just um, start calling all 
right. a, a bunch of human beings that are trying to right. that are trying to report everybody's a liar and right. all this is fake and and so um, being a blanket accuser of people yeah. is also not a helpful step. Right. It right. is a helpful step for us to try to um, examine the facts and see if we can get it right. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been in the the broadcast business for a long time, and uh, you've actually been responsible for communicating breaking news. Yeah. Here at Harvest Family Radio, we do break in for very important news, and we have these live segments in the afternoons. You do take note, things like that. But for the most part, our news, we, we're able to get our news from uh, Salem Radio Network and broadcast that on an hourly basis. But what was it like being a live news person? Like when you were, you were managing yeah. some of those other radio stations, what was it like to, to – how, how would you go about processing the news that was coming into you and then relaying that out to people? You usually have multiple sources, so um, we we don't. Again, it's it's a little different here, but we you you'd, you would usually consume several different news wires, and it used to be AP and Reuters and NBC, perhaps, and so you would get stories from all of those. And then um, I remember the first really big story that I covered where I had to break in and and spend a lot of time live on the air was when Princess Diana uh, died in a car accident. And uh, that was a, a, a surprisingly huge story because she's not a, she was not an American, obviously, mm-hmm. but it was a big, big story and we were required to, to break in and cover all that. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to consume things from several sources and try to cross-reference. So... That's not something that, as a person broadcasting, you can report on yourself. It's not like I'm making phone calls to people involved in the story. What you're doing is trying to consume several different reports, piece them together, and uh, several that are reputable that are reporting the same thing. You take those and you you uh, and and you usually credit those sources as right. well. Uh, like these these news stories today were from SRN News, and often you'll say. From Reuters is reporting, AP is reporting, uh, that sort of thing. So you're trying to let people know you've gotten this information, not yourself. You didn't, you know, call the British intelligence (laughs) yourself. Uh, But 9-11 was much more difficult in some ways because on 9-11, everybody had it wrong from the very beginning. Hmm. Uh, because uh, the first things uh, the first things that were reported were that this was just a commercial airliner that accidentally ran into the the World Trade Center, and then obviously when the second one happens, you think no, this has to be deliberate, and then there were all kinds of reports of there's there's planes headed for this building, there's planes headed for that building, you know, and and most of that turned out to be wrong. Right. I have a I had a I have a recording of a wrap up show that we did. On that, uh, on 9/11, and uh, I was noticing that uh, I I mentioned in there that we first reported this and that was wrong, and then we reported this and that was wrong, and uh, you get a lot of things wrong with a developing story, and it's not because you're lying; it's because you don't know. Right. Well, and I mean, you have to recognize the human human nature of 
being predisposed to be biased towards certain things. You don't even realize that every your various I mean every person is very subjective as as unbiased as they they intend to be. Uh, you're going to read things and interpret it through a filter that you're predisposed with. And so uh, let's say that you already do not, you have in your own heart of hearts, you have a distrust for a certain political candidate. Then you read three stories come across the wire about that political candidate. You're going to be reading it with a certain cynicism that someone else that just loves that political candidate isn't going to read it that way. And And so that's why multiple news sources are valuable because it helps you to at least balance out a little bit of those uh, biases that just naturally exist. I mean, there's no way to have a totally objective, there's no computer program with a logarithm that's going to give you a perfectly objective news report. Yeah, well, uh, people talk a lot about news bias. They talk very little about reader bias. Absolutely. <laughs> because Absolutely. Because readers have biases too. And so, I read stuff and I'll be like, ah, that can't be true. I mean, right. it's like in black and white statistics. Sure. I'm like, ah, I can't. I don't, I choose not to believe right. that. Yeah. Right. And readers have a bias too. And you come, you read a story with your own bias. And sometimes when you don't even recognize that as even a possibility, uh, you're even more biased. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we all have. And, a and you probably play. can become quite calcit. Calcitrant, you know, like uh, where you become hardened towards certain things, where you don't even realize. And and I imagine in the in the news industry and broadcast industry, you have people that become very hardened towards things. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough business, and uh, they deal with bad information and bad news all the time, and and uh, depressing things. And I'm sure you get a lot of uh, jaded news people. Yes, you know, it's not everyone gets to do what we get to do here, where we're we're actually, our whole job, KHMG, is the good news. I mean, yep. we have to share some bad news, but the gospel, the good news, is really at the heart of everything we're doing here. And so there's a a, a perpetual positive bias coming from KHMG because we believe that not only are we speaking the truth in love, but we believe that God's using this ultimately to build his kingdom, and we get to be part of that. So even bad news here has a heavenly perspective we hope we take a heavenly perspective with uh even the bad news absolutely it's fun it's fun chris before before i let you go uh why did you get into broadcasting to begin with i like to talk if you want to know the truth i love communication i love to hear people communicate well and you know i'm i'm a sucker for anything if there's good a good speaker of some sort I always want to hear that. If there's a good, you know, debate of some sort, I always want to hear that, and I want to hear good debate. And so the idea of commu- verbal communication was constantly a fascination. So that's why I wanted to do it because um, I enjoyed hearing that. And you know, a person who communicates well, there's a lot of precision to it. If you um, you can be creative, there's a lot of things involved with being able to communicate verbally with your creativity and with uh, uh, just just uh, grammar and, you know, things of that nature, trying to be, uh, trying to use words that uh, fit just perfectly in, in a sentence. So all of that is interesting to me. So that's why I didn't know anything about Christian radio when I got into it, but uh, I found out uh, that uh, they could also be used as a ministry. So that was an even bigger 
draw to me to be able to use um, to use verbal communication in this way where we could communicate truth. So, yeah. Well, we're glad that God uh, brought you out this way. About two years ago this week, I would say. We left for Guam two years ago today. Wow. I knew we were coming right around that time. So, yep. yeah, because it was about two years ago next week that I had to move all my stuff out of this office and uh, <laughs> give up this this great view. I'm looking out the window at the soccer yeah. field. There's a, We have a beautiful view, an unusual view for for, uh, one of the offices here on campus. So, well, Chris, we're glad you're here, and we're glad that uh, you get to be part of the communicating of the good news here at KHMG. So thanks a lot, brother. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right, we're going to take a short break. Listeners, when we come back, a little more live till 5, I'm going to share a few words of the week for you. I've been uh, trying to expand my own vocabulary. I'm going to share a couple that I've learned this week. And then our topic of the day, we're going to talk about some theme parks, and then we'll Take another break, come back, and have a little final segment on giving, giving to charity, giving to your church. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This is episode 225 on this Friday, July 28th, 429 p.m. at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Stick around. More live till 5 after this short break. A little more live till five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Glad to have you with us on this Friday, July 28th, 4.33 p.m. Wrapping up the summertime for those that are on staff at schools all across America and Guam. Kids still have a couple weeks. Teachers are starting to get ready, though. Listen to this word. It popped up on my Word of the Day app today. Thonic. How do you think that is spelled? Those of you that are spelling bee champions there in the listening audience, how do you think you spell thonic? The word means concerning, belonging to, or the inhabiting of the underworld. Thonic. C-H-T-H-O-N-I-C. Thonic. Pronounced thonic. Here's yesterday's word of the day. Plaintive. Plaintive, which means sounding sad or mournful. Plaintive, sounding sad or mournful. Actually, there was a word earlier this week, comedy, but not like comedy, like laughing. Comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y. To unify, to bring together. A spirit of mutual respect, comedy. Very interesting. The use of the human language, how many words sound alike and uh, sometimes you just do not know what they mean until someone tells you but comedy plaintive and phonic three words of the week for you now this week I want to talk a little bit about as our theme theme parks so the theme is a theme park let's start off with the bad news first then we'll get to the good news the bad news is from cnn.com 
From carousels to roller coasters, part of the summer fun for many kids is a trip to the local carnival or a nearby amusement park. But experts are warning that children need to be supervised on rides because of risks and injuries. And this is uh, on the heels of a, a recent, when this article was written, there was a recent fatality accident at an amusement park. So basically, uh, CNN gathered research. It was over a study done over a 20-year period of time over rides, amusement park rides, which include uh, fixed-site rides like amusement parks as well as mobile rides that you see at local carnivals and state fairs and shopping mall arcades and stuff. The rides include anything from coin-operated rides to Ferris wheels, carousels, bumper cars, roller coasters, any type of ride like that. According to the CNN.com article, Researchers used data on 92,885 children under the age of 18 who were treated for amusement park-type injuries in emergency rooms from 1990 to 2010. More than 70% of the problems occurred during the summer months when amusement parks are open and state fairs are often being held. The averages, it, that averages out to 4,423 injuries each year, 20 injuries daily from May through September. Tennessee and Kansas amusement parks accidents were not included in the study. The injuries range from head and neck problems to injuries of the face, arms, and legs. Soft tissue injuries, damage to ligaments, muscles, tendons were the most common. Serious injuries made up only a very small percentage. It was not just the bigger rides that caused problems, research noted. Data showed that even small rides could be dangerous. Many of the injuries these rides are because they're over hard floors and children are falling on the hard floor ending up with head injuries. Every year, theme parks in North America attract 375 million guests, according to the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. Consumer Product Safety Commission statistics of 2015 are not available, but a review of the raw data found 45,000 injuries associated with amusement attractions and water slides nationwide. 30,000 of these cases involve those under the age of 18. Based on the number of people that go to amusement parks each year, the relative number of injuries is, fortunately, small. So by percentage, it's relatively small. But amazing that that many injuries happen. So here are some ways to keep your child safe. If you're going to a carnival, you're heading off to an amusement park, always follow all posted height, weight, and health restrictions. Make sure to follow any special seating order and loading instructions. Always use safety equipment such as seat belts and safety bars. Make sure children keep hands and feet inside the ride at all times. You ever hear that announcement? Yes. Know your child. If you don't think he or she will be able to follow the rules, keep him or her off the ride. Trust your instincts. If you are worried about the safety of a ride, choose a different activity. Avoid mall rides if they are over hard, unpadded surfaces or if they don't have a child restraint such as a seat belt. Very interesting. Now, uh, my sons, both of my boys, got to meet up with their cousins, and they got to go visit the amusement park of my childhood called Worlds of Fun. Let me give you a little facts on Worlds of Fun. 235-acre amusement park in Kansas City, Missouri. Park opened in 1973, the year after I was born. It's owned and operated by Cedar Fair, which purchased the park from the Hunt Midwest Group in 1995. And if you go to Worlds of Fun, now you can also get into Oceans of Fun, which is a giant water park as well. They have uh, 47 rides. Seven of them are roller coasters. Three are water rides. And uh, it opened for only $10 million originally. It's a pretty cheap. 
2006, they added the Patriot, the longest, tallest, and fastest full-circuit inverted roller coaster in the region. It was the park's largest capital investment on a single attraction at $14 million. 2008, for the 35th anniversary, Worlds of Fun added a festival called Oktoberfest. 2009, a new wooden coaster, the Prowler, is added to the Africa section of the park. It receives a Golden Ticket Award for Best New Ride in 2009. 2010, Snoopy's Hot Summer Lights, $1 million immersive light and sound experience opens in the Europa and Africa sections of the park. 2011, Planet Snoopy, $8 million children's-themed area as added. They have 20 little rides for kids. And basically, you just kind of keep going. They have a fast lane pass now. They have this Wind Seeker ride, 301 feet. Can you imagine? 301 feet. Mondial Swing Ride uh, at Knott's Berry Farm was renamed the Steelhawk, relocated to Worlds of Fun. And then the Mustang Runner, Falcon Flight, and uh, was added to the Americana section of the new park. The newly remodeled entrance was introduced this year, and Winterfest will be introduced in November of 2017. So basically, the park, Worlds of Fun, and I've been in Worlds of Fun dozens of times, and I did not know this till I read about this. Because I always knew it's Worlds of Fun. The Worlds of Fun water tower, for those of you that have been to Kansas City, was in my wife's backyard, literally right across the fence off of the corner of her backyard growing up. But the park takes its theme, and this is so interesting, from the Jules Verne book, Around the World in 80 Days. That's why they have a, an, a hot air balloon as their symbol. I never knew this. Worlds of Fun is divided into five major sections, Scandinavia, Africa, Europa, the Orient and Americana. Rides, attractions, shops, shows, restaurants are named according to the area themes. Guests enter the park in Scandinavia. In 1997, the Americana main entrance was closed for the creation of the Grand Prix, so the back gate became the main gate ever since. The next world to the left is Africa, continuing clockwise around the world. Basically, it's really interesting that they have all this. It's really cool. Africa, Americana, Europa and then Scandinavia, and then Planet Snoopy is a big one there. Now, when I was a kid, they had some rides there that they don't have anymore. So they ha- used to have the uh, Shush Boomer ski-themed steel roller coaster with 10 separate four-passenger cars. The Scream Roller became the Extreme Roller. This is the one of my junior high and high school years. The first stand-up roller coaster in the Western Hemisphere, the Scream Roller, became the Extreme Roller. The only season as a stand-up coaster was 1983, after which it was reverted to a original sit-down style. I think there was an injury or something. Now, my favorite ride growing up was open until 1997, the Zambezi Zinger. It was there from the very beginning. The steel speed racer-type roller coaster, one of only two in existence at the time of its removal, with an electric spiral lift and a fast-paced ride through the woods, currently in operation at the Columbia National Coffee Park in Baroca, Colombia, South America. The Incredo Dome, that was kind of the original uh, IMAX-type theater. It was an Omnimax-style theater where viewers get a virtual ride, among other things, of the Orient Express coaster. So it was kind of like an IMAX, but it wrapped around you about 180 degrees. The Omegatron, 1986-2001. This, was, this opened my freshman year of high school. Six-story, upside-down thrill ride, the Omegatron. The Orient Express, of course, this was... The number one, it was the the feature 
Roller Coaster, the Orient Express, 1980-2003, the first roller coaster in the world to feature the Batwing, known as the Kamikaze Curve. Now a common element in thrill rides, also it was the second roller coaster in the world to have two interlocking loops. The Python Plunge was a water slide type ride. The Grand Prix Raceway, 1997 to 2014, replaced by the Steelhawk. The Octopus uh, was replaced by the Scandia Scrambler. The Thunderhawk, uh, top spin ride, flipped riders several times, took riders a height of 60 feet. Crazy Cars, children's bumper car ride. And the Le Carousel, across a uh, horse merry-go-round, replaced by the Falcon's Flight. So, very interesting, all that cool stuff. So they have all kinds of neat rides there. And my kids just got to go. But this was the observation of one of my sons. Dad, the whole park is run by teenagers. And that is true. When I was a kid, if you couldn't find a job anywhere else, Worlds of Fun would hire all summer long. And the entire park was run by teenagers. And the managers were like those 18-year-olds that had been working there since their sophomore year of high school. And they were the ones putting people on these 50-mile-per-hour, 300-foot-tall roller coasters. So it's no wonder that there are some injuries, but it's amazing that there aren't more. The history, according to the Amusement Park Theme Park website, goodmagic.com here, permanent outdoor recreation areas have been around at least as long as written history. Public areas are among the essential amenities in soci- that society develops, and their improvement is relatively cheap, advertising for the local monarch. But public resort areas with amusement facilities did not appear in Europe until the Renaissance. In England, they were called pleasure gardens, and they flourished from 1550 to 1700. They first appeared in the form of a resort grounds operated by inns and taverns, quickly proved to be good business, became more elaborate. Vauxhall Gardens, or Vauxhall Gardens, Open in London in 1661, covering 12 acres. Admission was free. Entertainment was provided. Acrobatic acts, fireworks, music. Mozart performed there as an eight-year-old prodigy in 1764. Professional showmen saw the money-making potential for the concept and began operating them for profit. In early America, amusement parks began as picnic grounds. Some were built by local breweries. There is much more profit when you can sell beer directly than through middlemen. These beer gardens offered the working man an inexpensive day's relaxation for the family, including plenty of open space, concerts, sometimes bathing, always beer and food. Attendance was promoted by streetcar companies and local railroads and excursion boat operators. Many parks were developed by trolley companies. They brought their electricity at a flat monthly rate, built amusement parks at the end of the line, and you boosted weekend use by a little added expense. Before long, hundreds of such parks were built all over the country. Expositions, particularly the 1893 Chicago World's uh, Columbian Exposition, provide another model for American amusement parks. The Chicago event was the first concentrate to concentrate rides, shows, and concessions in separate midway. And basically, it just goes on and on. talks about all the different history of Amusement parks, including Coney Island, and many, many of these places exist all across America. Amusement parks of one sort or another are very much a part of Americana. Mental Floss lists the 11 oldest amusement parks in the U.S. Maybe I talked about this last year because the article came out last year, but Lake Compounds, Bristol, Connecticut. Six Flags, New England, in uh, Agawam, Massachusetts. A lot of these are going to be East Coast, probably. Cedar Point. Point in Sandusky, Ohio, 
the Idlewild in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Seabreeze in Rochester, New York. Coney Island, of course, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And let's see here. What is the last one? Well, that's pretty much all the ones. Arnold's Park became an amusement park, 1889 as well. So a lot of these old, old parks. But here are some statistics about amusement parks. Very interesting. Amuse- this comes from the Amusement Theme Park Statistics and Facts on Statista. And I just downloaded this today. Amusement and theme parks have become popular attractions for diversion, fantasy, and a bit of a thrill. They are also big money makers in the United States. Revenue generated from amusement and theme parks was around twenty point four nine billion with a B U.S. dollars in twenty sixteen, and this is expected to continue to rise in the future. Both theme and amusement parks offer rides and attractions. However, theme parks are differentiated by having a consistent topical focus, such as Disneyland or Holiday World. So that's the difference. Amusement parks, no theme necessarily. Theme parks, like Worlds of Fun, Disneyland, things like that, SeaWorld, things. Attendance at amusement parks and theme parks worldwide by facility in 2016 in the millions. The Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, 20.4 million. Disneyland in Anaheim, 17.94 million. Tokyo Disneyland in Japan, 16.54 million. So Disney has the top three amusement parks by attendance, and those three combined outpace almost all the rest of the amusement parks added together. And if you add in Disney Animal Kingdom, Epcot, Disney, Disney Hollywood Studios, now you're talking Disney California Adventures, Disney, their theme parks combined have more attendance than all the rest of the theme parks and amusement parks in the world combined. It's pretty crazy. So it's no wonder that they also have the greatest revenue worldwide with $16.36 billion with Disney Parks and Resorts. Universal Studios is in third with 3.34. OCT Parks China, $4.12 billion. Merlin Entertainment, $1.9 billion. SeaWorld, $1.37 billion. Six Flags, $1.26, and so on and so on. A lot of money generated through amusement parks and theme parks. How about this? Amusement park chains worldwide by total attendance in 2016 in the millions. Of course, Disney attractions, 140 million. Merlin, 61 million. Universal, 47 million. OCT parks, 32 million. And then it goes down from there. Six Flags, 30 million. Down to Parks uh, Reunitas, 20 million in attendance worldwide. Pretty amazing. Revenues from the Walt Disney Company Park and Resort segment worldwide from 2008 2016. 2008, $11.5 billion. It, uh, and then it dropped the next year to $10.67 billion. But it's been steadily climbing since 2011. Almost $13 billion. It's going up about $1 billion a year, with last year being almost right at $17 billion in 2016 at the Walt Disney theme parks. A lot of money tied up in amusement theme parks. And uh, if you've ever been to one, you know that it's so easy just to kind of just keep spending and spending. So very interesting. Hopefully you've got to visit some theme parks in your life. There are even a few kind of small versions of theme parks here on Guam that you can go and enjoy. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, a little more Live Till 5. I want to talk about giving as I wrap up the show. Stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host of Live Till 5 on this Friday, July 28th. 4.51 p.m. at the KHMG Studios. 
Stick around. A little more live till five after this. Dark and the troubled side of life. There's a bright and a sunny side too. So we meet with the darkness and strife. This sunny side we also may view. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. Take my hand. And we're back with the last five or six minutes of Live Till Five. It's 4.54 p.m. on this Friday, July 28th, episode 225. It's been a great show. Thank you for staying tuned. If you ever missed part of the show, tune in noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. When you can catch us on The Rebound, we broadcast the show live on Fridays from 3 to 5, but we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Or you can listen to the podcast anytime that's convenient. Go to khmg.org and download the podcast. Listen to the live stream of our radio at the same location, khmg.org, and let us know you're listening by contacting us through the website there, khmg.org, or going to Harvest Family Radio Guam on Facebook. We'd love to have you following us so you can get updates and pertinent information about what's going on here, and also you can communicate with us directly. We'd love to know that you are listening. And I just came across an interesting little infographic in Christianity Today. The magazine just came out uh, this last week, I believe. It's under the title, Go Figure, a little section inside there, which always grabs my attention because it's always got interesting infographics, Giving from the Heart. After surveying more than 16,500 donors of 17 Christian ministries, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability discovered that most give based on internal values, not on who asked them or how they're asked. For example, Why would you support a ministry? Well, 45% says because they've been blessed. 23% say my gift makes a difference. 15% says it's the right thing to do. 9% says I know someone someone working there. 6% God will bless me for it, and 4% other reasons. The question, what is your core motivation? Well, 49% says I give because of that's who I am. 30% 30% say, I give because the ministry is asking. 12% says, I give because it's why I'm asked. 8% said, I give because of the person asking. And number uh, 2% says, I give because of how I'm asked. That's very interesting. When giving to ministries, I give at least, I give as the Lord leads me. That's 95%. 2% say, give only if my gift will be matched or doubled. And then 22% say, I give, also, uh, I seek volunteer opportunities with them. And 20% say, also promote them on social media. Very interesting. How likely are you to support ministries that work to tell others about Jesus? 96%. Make God's word available to all people? 95%. Care for orphans? 86%. Aid in disaster relief? 77%. Address injustice or oppression? 66%. Benefit my own community, 48%, and advocate for a cause, 41%. Very interesting, the 
motivation behind people giving. You know, just finished the Financial Peace University class here at Harvest Baptist Church last night. Dave Ramsey had a good point that our giving is not because God needs our money and we're not helping God out. It's not to get a blessing like we want our gift returned to us or some type of prosperity teaching, but it's because it's a recognition of God's ownership. God owns everything. He doesn't just own the 10%. He doesn't just own the few dollars you put in the offering plate. He owns it all. And when we give to the Lord through our local church, we are recognizing God's ownership of everything. And you cannot outgive God. God has been so generous to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was a great challenge from Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, and hopefully a challenge to you. Make sure you give God your best, even this weekend. Give God of your time and your talents and your treasure. And you can do that through a local Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I hope you have one. If you do, be faithful to attending there and to serving there and growing there. If you don't have a local church home, you can come visit us here at Harvest, 10.30 a.m. this Sunday morning. We're still meeting over at the Family Life Center as they finish up the auditorium, air conditioning, and flooring. We'd love to have you. And if you do come as a result of hearing this on the radio, come up and introduce yourself. I'm Pastor Jared Baldwin, and I make the announcements on Sundays, among other things, and love to meet you and know that you're listening to the radio program. It's always a big encouragement to us when we know that we have people out there listening And we appreciate you tuning in to this two hours. Boy, it went by so quick. You are listening to Live Till 5, episode 225 on this Friday, July 28th on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend.